Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to All You Need to Know Radio. I am your host, John Hollywood, and welcome to our adventure for the night. I would like to say welcome to everyone in America and around the world. And tonight, we have a jam-packed show for you tonight that is going to be one of the most controversial shows. I don't believe a radio show has ever gone after a sitting Supreme Court justice 
but we are going to expose Amy Coney Barrett for the lies that she told during the Senate, if you can call it a confirmation hearing. Otherwise, we're also going to let you see how she didn't really answer any of the questions. Also, Donald Trump keeps lying to the American people in his desperate attempt to become and hold on to power as president of the United States. As he continues to say the coronavirus, I mean the Trump virus, is gone. We're rounding the corner while almost 300,000 Americans are dying. Also, guys, early voting, we've got some incredible numbers for early voting that are going to blow your mind. Also, I received an incredible call from someone you're not even going to believe, so we're going to tell you about that coming up. Also, stimulus package. If you think money is coming to the American people that is penniless and homeless because of Donald Trump, remember that when you go vote for him or when you go cast your vote on November 3rd. And with that, all you need to know radio starts right now. All right, everybody, welcome to All You Need to Know Radio. I am your host, John Hollywood, and we would like to welcome you to the show. And without further ado, we would also like to welcome our constitutional attorney, the best attorney that I know, Almost Woolridge. Welcome, Almost. Thank you for the kind words, John. It's an honor to be on this show. How did, what did you think of our new opening? Didn't it make you sound make it feel like you're at a rock concert? I mean, rock and roll, John. It sounds great. All right, so we're going to go jump right in, and I'm sure you're aware of all the stuff with uh, Amy Coney Barrett, who has already mm-hmm. embarrassed herself by going to the White House to have confirmation done. And, you know, what's kind of funny is that if you look back at history of Donald Trump putting his um, Supreme Court justices up for nomination, he's always in every picture. As fat as he is, he still seems to be able to get in every picture. Isn't that supposed to be a no-no? Well, you know, the the prior administrations, you know, I believe Obama and, for example, Kagan had a photo op when she was uh, confirmed. But I do think that there's a difference between the way prior administrations have viewed Supreme Court justices and Donald Trump. Now, part of it is his pattern of speech where he says, you know, my Supreme Court Justice Amy Coney Barrett rather than the new Supreme Court Justice Amy Coney Barrett or something like that. Um, Another part of it is the hyper-partisan nature of the three Supreme Court justices that he has appointed. All three of them, Coney Barrett included, are the only Supreme Court justices in history to be confirmed with less than 60 votes. Um, McConnell changed the rules of the Senate to force through Gorsuch's nomination, um, and all three of them, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and Coney Barrett, all were approved with less than 60 votes, and you know, prior to Trump's 
reign or Trump's administration, whatever you want to call it, um, 100% of Supreme Court justices in the history of the country were approved at least somewhat on a bipartisan basis with at least 60 votes. And many of them were approved with substantially greater majorities um, in the Senate, you know, 80, 90 plus votes from senators to um, appoint people like, for example, um, William Rehnquist or um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. So, um, Yes, there's a problem with Trump making it all about him. He, that's kind of his typical pattern. The bigger problem, in my opinion, is the significant issues with legitimacy of the United States Supreme Court. If the Excuse justices me. are partisan hacks, sure. not you, you know, it, it becomes difficult for individuals for the American people to trust that the Supreme Court just Supreme Court is acting in the best interests of would you be willing to go as far as I've gone and say that the Supreme Court the Supreme Court's credibility is in danger by this nominee? Not at all. I think that that's accurate and apropos. And the Supreme Court's credibility is also in in serious danger by the the shadow docket that we've discussed several times on this show and the repeated abuse of the uh, writ of certiorari by the uh, Solicitor General of the United States, basically the United States district courts, the trial courts, issue these injunctions saying things like Donald Trump's Muslim ban is unconstitutional. You have to enjoin it until um, we can figure out whether or not it is constitutional. And then the um, Solicitor General appeals to the United States Supreme Court, who, without making a, a reasoned ruling, there's no written opinion, they just say the injunction is vacated until time of trial. And so so the policy remains in place, even though a federal judge has found it unconstitutional. It, it's a really complex legal issue, which hardly gets, but it's complicated. But the, the fact is that the Supreme Court, if, if, if Americans understood what they were doing over the course of the last two or three years, even prior to Amy Coney Barrett's nomination, it's lost a ton of legitimacy because they're just playing lapdog to Trump's policy. And, you know, this is, yes, Coney Barrett likely perjured herself and potentially um, – and, and clearly intentionally failed to answer difficult questions about her uh, legal reasoning and the basis for her legal philosophy, which are appropriate questions that should have been answered. But, I mean, Kavanaugh and Gorsuch are also illegitimate for similar reasons, and the idea that the United States Supreme Court cannot be trusted by the American people, I mean, that's a travesty, and I think it's new. It's never been like that as long as I've been alive and politically aware. Um, this, that's how the Supreme Court – you know, the Supreme Court, I have generally felt like, with a few exceptions, Bush v. Gore being one of them, by the way, Roberts, Kavanaugh, and Tony Barrett all worked on behalf of Bush as advocates in private law. 
on the Bush v. Gore case. Problematic, but uh, the, 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 the resolution, the remedy for this is the packing or the expansion of the United States Supreme Court should Biden be victorious and Absolutely. inaugurated. Hey, real yeah, quick. I'll keep, I'm sorry, that's your, enough. Yeah. Let's listen to a few of Amy's uh, non-answers. We're going to talk about sure. not packing the court, balancing the court. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Words matter. Do you think we should take the president at his word when he says his nominee will do the right thing and overturn the Affordable Care Act? I can't really speak to what the president has said on Twitter. Um, he hasn't said any of that to me. And what I can tell you, um, as I have told your colleagues earlier today, is that no one has elicited from me any commitment in a case or even brought up a commitment in the case. I'm 100% committed to judicial independence from political pressure. So whatever people's, you know, party platforms may be or campaign promises may be, the reason why judges have life tenure is to insulate them from those pressures. So I take my oath seriously to follow the law. And, you know, I, I have not pre-committed, nor would I pre-commit to decide a case any particular way. I am standing before the committee today saying that I have the integrity to act consistently with my oath and apply the law as the law, um, to approach the ACA and every other statute without bias, and I have not made any commitments or deals or anything like that. I'm, I'm not here on a mission to destroy the Affordable Care Act. I'm just here to apply the law and adhere to the rule of law. You said that Brown is, and I know my time is running out, is a super precedent. That's something uh, the Supreme Court has not even said, but you have said that. So if you say that, why won't you say that about Roe v. Wade, a case that the court's controlling opinion in that Planned Parenthood v. Casey case has described as a super precedent? That's what I'm trying to figure out. Um, well, Senator, I can just give you the same answer that I just did. I'm using a term in that article that is from the scholarly literature. It's actually one that was developed by scholars who are, you know, certainly not conservative scholars who take a more progressive approach to the Constitution. And again, you know, as, as Richard Fallon from Harvard said, Roe is not a super precedent because calls for its overruling have never ceased, but that doesn't mean that Roe should be overruled. It just means that it doesn't fall on the small handful of cases like Marbury versus Madison and Brown versus the board that no one questions anymore. Do you accept that COVID-19 is infectious? Um, I, I think, yes, I do accept that COVID-19 is infectious, but that's something of which I feel like, you know, we could say you take judicial notice of. It's an obvious fact, yes. Do you accept that smoking causes cancer? I'm not sure exactly where you're going with this, but, you know, the, the notice it's that smoking causes... Question, the question is what it is. You can answer it if you believe. Um, answer no. <laughs> Senator Harris, yes, every package of cigarettes warm. Okay, that's enough. So almost, is is that the way that a Supreme Court justice would normally answer questions when they're being, uh, they're in a confirmation hearing for a nomination for the Supreme Court of the United States? Well, the word normally is an interesting word in your question to me, because the answer is until recently, no, but recently under Bush, really, then followed up by um, uh, following nominees, including uh, Kagan, 
um, and Sotomayor, the, the nominees in general have been far more circumspect in their answers. If you look back in the history and you look at, for example, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg's nomination, she, in her committee meeting, spoke at great length with detailed answers to questions on all kinds of topics, including abortion and a bunch of other things. And recently, that has not been the practice. The last, I think, four or five Supreme Court nominees have been much more circumspect. And so, you know, it's, it's hard for me to say what is normal, but I would say that as, as a person who takes depositions and has to ask people questions where they're supposed to respond under oath, just like that committee hearing, I find her responses to be intentionally evasive. And you can Which say makes the same me not thing. Right, exactly. It makes you not trust her. And you can say the same thing about the way Kagan and Sotomayor answered questions. But that doesn't make it right. And, you know, for a lifetime appointment, I think it is appropriate for the nominee, regardless of custom, for the nominee to provide real answers to questions about the underpinnings of their judicial philosophy. And Coney Barrett did not do that. So I think in um, some, while it's a bit of a complicated question, I think the answer to your question is no, that is not normal. Okay, so let's listen to what she says about abortion. Let me begin with um, a question that the chairman touched on. And it's of, a great, it's of great importance, I think, because it goes to a woman's fundamental right to make the most personal decisions about their own body. And as a college student in the 1950s, I saw what happened to young women who became pregnant at a time when abortion was not legal in this country. I went to Stanford. Um, I saw the trips to Mexico. Uh, I saw young women uh, try to hurt themselves, and it was really deeply, deeply concerning. During her confirmation hearing before this committee in 1993, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was asked several questions about her views on whether the Constitution protects a woman's right to abortion. She unequivocally confirmed her view that the Constitution protects a woman's right to abortion. And she explained it like this, and I quote, the decision whether or not to bear a child is central to a woman's life, to her well-being and dignity. It's a decision she must make for herself. When government controls that decision for her, she is being treated as less than a fully adult human responsible for her own choice. End quote. At one point, our former colleague, Orrin Hatch, then the ranking member of this committee, commended her for her being, quote, very forthright in talking about that, end quote. So I hope, and you have been thus far, uh, be equally forthright with your answers. In Planned Parenthood of Southeastern Pennsylvania versus Casey, Justice Scalia, as was said uh, earlier, joined the dissent, which took the position, and I quote, we believe that Roe was wrongly decided. 
and that it can and should be overruled, consistent with our traditional approach to stare decisis in constitutional cases. Do you agree with Justice Scalia's view that Roe was wrongly decided? So, Senator, I do want to be forthright and answer every question so far as I can. I think on that question, I, you know, I'm going to invoke Justice Kagan's description, which I think is um, perfectly put. When she was in her confirmation hearing, she said that she was not going to grade precedent or give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down. And I think in an area where precedent continues to be pressed and litigated, as is true of Casey, it would be particularly, um, it would actually be wrong and a violation of the canons for me to do that as a sitting judge. Is that true, Elmos? <laughs> well, you see, that short answer, no. Longer answer, you see how the, the questioner, and I, I didn't quite catch which senator was asking that question, set up the question by referring to the... I think it was uh, Senator Feinstein. Okay, so Diane Feinstein set up that question by referring to the deep and kind of complete answer, uh, substantive answer that Justice Ginsburg gave in her confirmation hearing. And then if you heard what Amy Coney Barrett's response was, I want to answer your question in full. But I defer to Elena Kagan, who, in response to a question about this in her confirmation hearing, said, I'm not going to give a thumbs up or a thumbs down about, sorry, decisis, about uh, precedent. And it's a, it's a maddening thing because both the Democrats and the Republicans have done it. Both the liberal and conservative justices have done it. They don't want to commit to uh, – Describing their judicial philosophy about hot-button issues in a confirmation hearing, but that is in fact the purpose of a confirmation hearing, to determine whether a judge's judicial philosophy is appropriate for a lifetime appointment on the Supreme Court of the United States. <laughs> and Coney Barrett, as a whole, if you listen to the entirety of the testimony or you know the whole hearing, and I listened to most of it, not all of it, um, as a whole, she was grossly evasive and basically didn't tell us what she really believes. Now, we could look at her writings, and we can look at some of her advocacy, um, and it appears that she's a bit of a right-wing zealot, that she – you know. What she really cares about is her religion and, you know, very conservative family value type principles. She does not appear to be a um, like a like a, a money money oriented person. She does not appear to be um, somebody who will reflexively side with big business like Samuel Alito. But she does appear to be a. Um, kind of a conservative culture warrior, and that type of a person who has already prejudged the correctness of certain aspects of our culture and what is and is not appropriate for the government to do vis-a-vis -vis enforcement of religious freedoms, um, that's inappropriate. Her, her 
her philosophy is inappropriate to be on the United States Supreme Court if she has prejudged issues like abortion and um, you know uh, r- racial insensitivity and things like that, which which it appears that she has, and she wouldn't come out and say it. You know, she wouldn't tell us what she really believes, and listen that's what, super problematic. Listen to what she says about gay marriage. Go. Now, you said in your acceptance speech for this nomination that Justice Scalia's philosophy is your philosophy. Do you agree with this particular point of Justice Scalia's view that the U.S. Constitution does not afford gay people the fundamental right to marry? Um, Senator Feinstein, as I said to Senator Graham at the outset, if I were confirmed, you would be getting Justice Barrett, not Justice Scalia. So I don't think that anybody should assume that just because Justice Scalia decided a decision a certain way that I would too. But I'm not going to express a view on whether I agree or disagree with Justice Scalia for the same reasons that I've been giving. You know, Justice Ginsburg, um, with her characteristic pithiness, used this way this to describe um, how a nominee should comport herself at a hearing. No hints, no previews, no forecasts. Um, that had been the practice of nominees before her. That's really too bad because it's rather a fundamental point. You identify yourself with a justice uh, that you, like him, would be a consistent vote to roll back hard-fought freedoms and protections for the LGBT community. And what I was hoping you would say is that this would be a point of difference where those freedoms would be respected. And you haven't said that. Senator, I have no agenda, and I do want to be clear that I have never discriminated on the basis of sexual preference and would not ever discriminate on the basis of sexual preference. You know, like racism, I think discrimination is important. Um, On the questions of law, however, I just, because I'm a sitting judge and because you can't answer questions without going through the judicial process, can't give answers to those very specific questions. Okay, I'm going to call bullshit on that. I'm going to call bullshit on that. Me too. Real, real quick, let me do some housekeeping. Let me remind everybody our mm. show is brought to you about tonight exclusively by Above and Beyond Decorating and Designs. Call 210-264-2073. If you would like to join the show live, you're welcome to call 516-531-9990. Again, 516 531 9990. If you want to join the show live, press one. That lets the call restrainer know you want to join. Be ready to talk about the topic we're talking about, or we will have to cut you off for, for a time period. Yeah, almost. That was just a lie. Mm-hmm. And, and, and John, without me knowing what's in Amy Coney Barrett's head, because I don't, I suspect that it's a lie as well. When she said, you know, I don't discriminate against people of different sexual orientations. You know, my my red flags are going off um, because I can see her prior writings and I can see the type of extremely conservative religious movement that she was a part of, that she is a part of, and that she used to be very highly involved with. And, you know, that movement, which she continues to be involved in, 
preaches that homosexuality is a sin and is, is very much different from the tolerant and diverse society that Americans have come to enjoy in 2020. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know what's in her head, but I assume, I, I, like you said, I call bullshit. Pardon my French. Um, exactly. She, 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 it, it just doesn't seem accurate. I think that she's not telling her real judicial philosophy and judicial position. And then for her to cite Ginsburg as the person who said, we can't really, you know, we can't give a hint about what our position would be. Well, that's not what Ginsburg did. Ginsburg did. Ginsburg was saying with that quote, we're not going to talk about a spe- how I would vote on a specific case. But then she went on to describe in great detail her overall judicial philosophy, which would allow the um, committee, the Judiciary Committee, who de- decides on whether or not to move the confirmation forward, to understand what they were getting um, in terms of the judicial temperament and overall judicial philosophy of Judge Ginsburg, Justice Ginsburg. And the reason that I think a lot of that wasn't called out is the Democrats were not even there. They boycotted the whole thing. Hey, you want to take a call Mm -hmm. live almost? Sure. All right, guys. So this is from area code. Last four digits of your number is 6103. This is John Hollywood, your host of All You Need to Know Radio. You also have the pleasure of having Almost Woolworths with Woolworths and None. How can we help you tonight? Yes, good evening, guys. Uh, my name is David. I'm calling from Minneapolis. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Wow, uh, Minneapolis. How would you hear about us, David? Yeah, I found your show on Blog Talk Radio on the All right. uh, show page there. Yes, sir. Yeah, well, thank, thank you so again, much for listening. How, yeah, how can we help you? Um, yeah, I think uh, I'm coming from obviously a different perspective in the sense that uh, I don't think that the Republicans and the president did anything wrong in the sense that the nomination was made available. They had the House, the White House, and the Senate, and they, they simply passed it. And I hear people. Well, let me ask you a question, Barack David. Obama, Merrick Garland. Let me ask you a question, David. Yes, sir. Do you remember when Lindsey Graham, and it's actually on our Facebook page? <laughs> where Lindsey Graham said on videotape, and he said, mark it down, make sure you call me out on it. He said, if a nomination comes up within six months, I think it was maybe 90 days of an election. Yeah, I believe it was no one year, John. No what, we will not pursue it. Do you believe the GOP yeah. deliberately lied to the American people? Well, the yes or no answer. I could say, I could say yes. yes or no answer. But in the case, but yeah, I said yes. But in the case of your statement on your on your blog type page, you insinuated what they did was illegal or unconstitutional, which that's not the case. It oh, may be, no, no. it, it may be, it may be. But it's not illegal. What the senators did is not illegal. You're right. During the confirmation, there are two rules that they broke on top of everything else. Uh, throw the ethics out the window. Throw their morals out the window. The GOP is oh, just a shell of Donald yeah. Trump. The bottom line is, is during the process, they broke two rules that actually could end up reversing the appointment of Amy Coney Barrett. Go ahead, uh, Amos. 
Oh, I was just going to say that as a, as a technical legal matter, you're absolutely right, David, and I agree with you that they have the legal authority to confer – the constitutional authority to confirm a Supreme Court justice or really any um, federal judge, any Article II judge, um, as long as it, the vacancy occurred during the term. Um, that said, it is um, blatantly hypocritical, and there's um, – we, we are currently actively in an election. I mean, most individuals in, in Texas, there have been millions and millions of votes already, and I believe the same as can be said for Minneapolis. And so while I agree with you, sir, that it was technically legal, you know, slavery it's was legal at one time. It's the spirit of the Constitution. Right. No, but that's the purpose of our slavery thing. As an apples and oranges mm -hmm. comparison. In this case, as you stated, they mm -hmm. have a constitutional authority to do this. At the end of the day, when it comes mm -hmm. to appointing the Supreme Court, we know what it is. You got to have the Senate, got to have the White House, period. The reason Mary Correct. Garland didn't go through for Obama, regardless of what Lindsey Graham and the Republicans and Trump were saying, the, the Republicans held the Senate, period. That's it. Whoa, whoa, if whoa, the Democrats whoa. Don't have the Senate at that the time. The leaders of the Senate, don't, it doesn't matter what they say to the American people. But no, I no, need no. you what to hold on one second. It, hold I'm on, saying whoa, whoa, whoa. to whichever party holds the power is that going music, to make the decision. You don't mind, David? It's just common sense. Your name is David, right? Yes, sir. Okay, if you don't mind holding on for me, we're going to take one commercial break, and we'll be, we'll be more than happy to keep talking to you, okay? All right, okay. so this is Ariana Grande, Love Me Harder. This is All You Need to Know Radio, brought to you exclusively by Above and Beyond, De Beyond Decorating and Design, called 210-264-2073. Please make sure you follow us with almost 500,000 followers on All You Need to Know Radio on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, Tumblr, you name it on social media. We're there. We'll be right back with David and Amos. David, don't go anywhere because I think it's important what we're talking about. Hey, do you want to know a secret? Well, I have heard that you're looking to sell your home sometime soon. And did you know that by having your home professionally staged, you could possibly make over $100,000 more at the time of sale? Do I have your attention yet? Good, because this is going to change your life. Call 210-264-2073. That's 210-264-2073. And that is Above and Beyond Designs. Ask for one of our client staff and get them to tell you how we can change your life and get your home to look exactly what you want. Of course, we're going to give you our opinion, but you are the boss. If you're simply looking for a change for your home or even just to update your little castle, we have the answers. Call the professionals at Above and Beyond Design. Pick up your phone right now and call 210-264-2073. That is 210-264-2073. When a design associate answers, be ready to answer just a few questions to let them know exactly what you're looking for 
so they can make sure that your dream home looks the way that you want. Are you ready to get going on this? Call 210-264-2073. That is 214-264-2073. Above and beyond design. Serious callers only, please. If you also... everybody welcome back to all you need to know radio that is the incomparable iconic janet jackson everybody knows who she is she's actually got a new album some new music that's going to be hitting we'll talk about that in the coming shows welcome back to all you need to know radio i am your host john hollywood we are heard worldwide and are number one in our time slot so welcome everybody in america and around the world Today's topic is about Amy Coney Barrett. She was appointed to the U.S. Supreme Court. Why so fast? Why was she pushed through so fast when the Republicans promised us on tape, not just Lindsey Graham, not just Ted Cruz, not just Chuck Grassley. I mean, there's like nine of them that said they would Tom Cotton, they would not do it. But yet, they did it anyway. In doing it, though, they broke two different rules that could put the nomination in danger. We have the pleasure right now of welcoming back David from Minneapolis, I believe, and, of course, almost our constitutional lawyer. Take it away, guys. Thank you for the patience. Thanks. So, David, let me ask you a question because I'm, I'm interested legitimately. Um, do you do you identify as a Democrat, Republican, or Independent? I'm an Independent, but I'm definitely conservative. Okay. Um, and I, I also identify as an Independent, although I registered as a Democrat to vote for Bernie Sanders in the primary. Um, okay. It, it is, the, um, is the reason that you're concerned about the accuracy with regards to Cody Barrett because of um, – a perceived outcome that you would like to receive from the Supreme Court, like, for example, on the issue of abortion or the ACA? Or is it more about a um, desire for overall accuracy in reporting and the news in general? Uh, or something a little else? bit of both. I, I, I would say that, for example, I understand that the political left in this country wants to use the Supreme Court as a super legislation, which they can impose certain things that they know that legislative-wise they couldn't get passed, which is which is why the left – that's how the left views the Supreme Court in general for the most which part. Which would be what? And so I, so I, for me, I, I, I'm resistant to that in the sense that I know what they want to do with it. And mm-hmm. for myself – You said that we're trying to like use myself, for some reason. For what yeah. specific reason? You want to use it as a super legislator to bypass, to get certain policies that you can't get through the Congress and the Senate – you want to get up the Supreme Court to impose it on the country. 
And so that's why, from the left's perspective, you guys want to make sure that you have more representation on the court because that's the way you view it. Like, you view for example, gay marriage? As a living and breathing document. And let me just finish my point. Mm-hmm. You view the Constitution Sorry. as a living and breathing document that's evolving, and you want to continue to add mm-hmm. things through that. The point as a conservative is I'm, I'm in this fight for my, not just for myself but for my children and my grandchildren. I want them to have a good future. And I see the left mm. as a danger to the country because my, my family immigrated from a communist country. And I see the path mm. that this country's headed towards. So for me, by any means necessary, it's about winning. The time and all this stuff is out the window. We got to win because the future of our country is on the line, period. Mm-hmm. But do you believe in abortion? Do you think it should be a legal right? I think abortion should only be used in the in the cases where the mother's life's at risk or there's rape or incest. But from for just a pure convenience sake, I don't think that you should you should be killing a child just because you don't want to have it. So you actually I mean, you think that more responsible the country an abortion as a convenience? I know women personally. Well, let's done. not attack him for his views, John. I'm interested in more. No, 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 I'm just asking him. I just told you I know women personally that did abortions purely out of convenience because they just didn't want to have the baby. They weren't raped. There was no incest, and their lives were not at risk. Because I remember, mm-hmm. I remember when the Democratic Party in the 90s, their argument for abortion was safe, legal, and rare. And they and they now yes. all of a sudden it's abortion on demand for any reason at any time. They're even trying to push back the date, the state in which and during the pregnancy which you can have an abortion, which is that in itself is indefensible in my opinion. Because after 20 weeks, well, how anyone can not view that as a baby in the womb defies any logic and science. I don't know what you're looking at, but if, we don't need to get in a debate about abortion. Obviously, we're trying to talk about this. Right. But what I want to talk about is more of the big picture, uh, David. And I'm interested in why you think the federal party of the the GOP, why the GOP and Donald Trump and Mitch McConnell and all those folks really have your best interests at heart when it comes to issues like taxes, the economy, health care, and war. Oh, it's pretty simple. I mean – like I said, coming mm-hmm. from a communist country, I know where a lot of these mm-hmm. far-left ideas head to. In America, in my view as an immigrant, I appreciate what America is, unlike a lot of native-born Americans that I see who, in my opinion, don't mm-hmm. appreciate what they have. I appreciate the freedom right. that we have in our Constitution, I agree with the that. rights, the economic opportunities we have. Right. And so to me, America me is a country worth preserving and fighting for, which is why I serve in the military, because I love this country. And what it's done for me and my family. Great, and thank you and so for your service. I want to preserve that for my definitely, definitely, thank, David, thank definitely you, thank you for your service. So, so let me ask you one more, one more question about that, because I think it, it kind of goes to the gravamen of your complaint. And it is, if it is demonstrably true that the economy does better under Democratic administrations than Republican administrations – and the other issues of climate change and trade continue to be performed with so much lesser of seriousness by the GOP than the Democratic Party over the course of during my lifetimes. I assume you're about my age. Um, you know, going back to the 90s, the Democrats are the ones who have always been caring about climate change and the American worker, and it seems like the Republicans really only care about rich people. And 
I, I just, I'm, I'm assuming, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm assuming you're not a multimillionaire. Most people aren't. So um, I just don't understand, you know, you're talking about communism, but no Democrat is asking for communism. They, they just want, you know, reasonable health care in exchange for our taxation. I, I, am I missing something? Yeah, it's because I, I understand how these things get put in, right? Uh, the communists in America, they have a very different strategy than, let's say, in other nations where they came in through force and violence and, and just through a militant way of taking over. Here in America – Right, like Venezuela or the Soviet Union. Exactly. But here in America, what the Marxists mm-hmm. are doing in this country is they're using America's freedoms against itself to indoctrinate mostly the young people, Americans in general, through the media and education to become mm-hmm. hateful of capitalism, despise their own country and its history and the Constitution, and start to embrace more socialist ideas. Now, these things that you're putting uh-huh. forward, they all are leading to something. So what the left in America now is advocating for is socialism light which is nothing more than a bridge that they eventually want to – what their eventual goal is communism. Now, you may disagree with that, but I know history, and I know what, what happened in my nation, and I see the exact same game plan and script being played out here. And knowing and what this what, is going to lead to, I don't want that to happen to my – because I've got two young children. And I don't want that to happen to them and my grandchildren because America is a rare country in this planet where you have the kind of freedoms we have here, and under these socialist – you know, ideologies, those rights and those freedoms get taken away. And those things always end up in a totalitarian, you know, dictatorship, which brutally subjugates its people. And the 1% that the, that the left loves to rally, cry against, will be replaced by a ruling government class that will take those same wealth and resources, live like kings, while the rest of the population is subjugated in poverty and oppression. That's what Okay, so I guess to. I'm really, they, really confused. So I'm, I'm not falling for the debate and the promises because I know well, those promises are empty, and I, and I know it's a con game. So I'm not gonna. Okay. It doesn't fool me. Now it might fool people in America who didn't grow on, who didn't, you know, didn't come from communism or don't don't know the history. So they can be easily, they can be manipulated into thinking you can have all these government programs and all this special stuff, and there's no supposedly there's no strings attached to it. But I know the strings are attached to it. Because those things come mm-hmm. along with government control, coercion, and power. Almost, I'm going to let you have this. I'm going to let you okay. have this. But it's a, it's a fact of history. It's not okay. like so, so, communism uh, and socialism knows what I'm saying is a fact. And that's what played out. In well, some of the first countries. of all, I, I, I disagree with your assertion because there are a bunch of – first of all, America – is and always has had significant aspects of socialism, including things like the VA benefits that you enjoy, public schools, firefighters. Um, the other thing to say is some of the most successful democratic economies in the world have significantly larger socialist um, organizations of their economy. Socialism is an economic system. Communism is a political system. They're different. You can have democratic socialism, such as countries like Norway and Denmark. And so I think we have a fundamental disagreement about um, the nature of government. And when I hear you saying things like, I I don't trust them, that the elites are going to steal it all. I say, we already have elites who have already stolen it all. And they are the capitalist class billionaire fat caps, Jeff Bezos, Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, 
those are the people who really wield power. Sheldon Adelson, those are the people who really wield power in America. So it's um, inappropriate to uh, point to potential boogeymen in some sort of communist takeover in the future when we already have a capitalist takeover that leads to, to destroyed lives right. all across America, the so richest you, you country in the world, millions of people with no health insurance and living in homelessness and squalor on the street when a few families have more money than they can ever spend in their lives. So um, I think we just have a fundamental disagreement about the nature of economics. And um, I want you to know, sir, David, I respect you. I think you're wrong, but I don't think that makes you a bad person. Absolutely, David. And we did have to cut you off the air because we are running out of time. But thank you so much. Mm -hmm. We answered your question mm -hmm. off the air. Uh, you're more than welcome to email us at allyouneedtoknowradio at gmail.com. Mm -hmm. Almost will get those if you put his name on them. He loves yep. – I mean, he knows this. I don't know if loves the right word, but – he likes to give everybody the right to be their own person. And I love that about him. Yes, I really John, do. I do. And I, I think that respecting each other and having a reasoned debate where we can, you know, you'll notice that, you know, he didn't call me a name and I didn't call him a name. I know, and then I love we that. had, uh, we had a real debate about some kind of deep, political and government and, frankly, philosophical issues that is often missing in, in, in polite discourse in our society today because of the nature of media and media entertainment. So, you know, it's, it's well, rare that for, we have for that me, kind of conversation in media, and I appreciate days. it. I long mm -hmm. for the days that we can actually have yelling and screaming, hates, not calling each other names, and then at the end of it, remembering we're all Americans, we all have to live mm. on this little island here, and we just have to disagree to agree. And if we can agree to disagree and maybe change each other's mind or open each other's eyes one way or the other like we used to be able to do many years ago before Trump, where it was all about hate, I'm really hoping that once he's out of office, that's going to come back. You think that's a possibility? I agree. You know, John, I think about that question pretty often. Um, you know, these days, especially these last couple of days, three or four days, I don't want to get my hopes up, and I want all of your listeners to please, please, please vote if you haven't already. But um, the early voting numbers and the polling seem to be really trending in favor of Biden. Uh, his national lead continues to grow, and his, he's polling well in several in Texas and Georgia um, and, you know, other kind of Republican strongholds. So South Carolina is, is even a toss-up, which is insane to me. So um, Even the, Texas. The, <laughs> right, right. And, and so, you know, I've been dreaming. Oh, it looks like there might be a landslide because one of the things that I'm worried about, and I've expressed this on this show many, many times, is what happens in the lame duck or what happens if it's very, very close. You know, what happens if Biden squeaks out a win by 20,000 votes in Pennsylvania um, and otherwise, you know, has 278 electors. So out of 270 needed to win, you know, in that case, Donald Trump is not going to concede. He's going to so, fight like hell and two people. Yeah. Let's let all of our listeners worldwide and in America 
let you guys know mm-hmm. that we had been working on trying to get Joe Biden on our show. And when I mm-hmm. was first brought this idea about six weeks ago, I contacted almost. And what did you say? <laughs> I don't remember exactly, but I was very excited. So I had been dealing with a woman by the name of Linda and, uh, she wanted me to take a picture of Ruth Bader Ginsburg where I was at the polling place and things like that. But we've been talking on and off about getting him onto the show or even uh, Kamala Harris. Well, I called her because almost reminded me about it last week. And then at like two o'clock this afternoon, Oh my God. Okay. I got to control myself because I mean, we do deserve this. We work our butts off and we do, support Biden very highly. But at one o'clock this afternoon, I was at home and I was on the phone with my sponsor above and beyond decorating and design. And so I couldn't answer the phone. So my assistant answered the phone and she said, Mr. Hollywood, it's the vice president of the United States. And I looked at her and I said, it is not, it is not. You're not talking about Michael Pence, are you? She's like, no, it would be the other one. And I was like, okay. So I took the phone and I said, hi, this is John Hollywood. He goes, John, it's Joe Biden. I was like, are you serious? He goes, yeah. He goes, man, you've been fighting the good fight. I've been heard a couple of your shows. Very impressed by the way that you hold everybody's feet to the fire and I know I owed you a phone call, and I'm just not going to be able to get to that interview because we're, the polls are so close. We've had to cancel several of those. But I tell you what, John, I'll make it up to you as president. I was like, Mr. Vice President, I voted for you. I cannot, and I voted for you with my heart. I've never voted for a president like I voted for you because I know you can change the world. He said, man, appreciate everything you're saying. Now let's make it happen. Talk to you soon. And that was it. To stay on the conversation. Myself. <laughs> how, how long were you on the phone? Like a minute? Maybe two minutes. Maybe two minutes. That's so cool, I was though. Trying to I've never received a call from a presidential candidate. <laughs> I'm sorry. I said, that's really cool, though. I've never received a phone call from a presidential candidate. And it wasn't Harris, because that's who I was expecting. Okay, so let's pull it back together. But yes, Joe Biden was going to be a guest on our show. We had been in contact uh, with their uh, local campaign, everything around here in Dallas. I've been dealing with a lady named Linda which her and I are going to be life partners now or life friends. But it was amazing. I mean, I've met Ty Herndon. I've met Madonna. I've met a lot of huge celebrities. Never a presidential candidate. I did meet Hillary Clinton when she came here, but it was just a handshake. And I'll be honest, it felt like I was shaking a robot's hand. I really did. Okay, so we have just a couple of more minutes, and let me pull myself together. Early voting almost, you were talking about it. Before the show, is it 
80 million and 90 people, 888 zero. So eight zero countrywide, right? Eight nine zero comma eight eight zero. What's that number? Um, is, is, is that countrywide? Yes. Yeah, that's early voting. That's still amazing. I mean, that is over half of the entire people that voted in 2016. I still can't believe it. So I kind of like the idea of taking phone calls. What do you think? I mean, I enjoy it. Um, it's, 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 um, you know, when you and I have a preset kind of few things that we need to discuss, it's, it's easy for me because I can just kind of read a little bit of the news and be able to talk about it. But when we get a caller, Ooh, I have to think on my feet and I enjoy that. I can tell we have a couple of other ones, but we only have like four minutes of the show. Anybody out there Mm -hmm. ever heard of Bart Brooks? Of course. You have? Tell everybody about him. Garth Brooks, the, the country music singer? Yeah. We'll give everybody I a mean, little hint real quick. 3 I mean, in the uh, morning, not a soul in sight. City's looking like a ghost town on a moon of summer night. Raindrops on the windshield, there's a storm moving in. He's heading back from somewhere that he never should have been And the thunder rolls Okay, so Garth Brooks has a daughter And she has a single out And it's not, her name is Allison Colleen And we've hit her up to be on the show also but she has a number, a song that has hit the top 40 country charts. Isn't that amazing? Without using Garth Brooks' name. Are you ready to take a listen to it? Sure. All right. And this ends our show. And then you get to do your two-minute your two-minute warning. All right, guys. Very so good. this is our song pick of the week from All You Need to Know Radio. And we pick... Allison, Colleen, the song is called Ain't the Only Hell My Mama Raised. She just happens to be the biggest country star, pop star, retired, now came back, still number one. But let's just let you listen to her music. This is our song pick of the week. It's new, it's dangerous, and it's in your face. Take a listen. Ain't the Only Hell My Mama Raised.
Hey, what'd you think of that almost? A cool tune. That's the it first is. time I heard that. I like it, man. Yeah, and she's on Spotify and she's on iTunes and she broke the top Billboard 40 in the country charts. That's a, a big, big deal. So right now, mm. we're playing the song we played last week where you, what have you done today to make yourself feel proud? You said it, if you don't mind, and let everybody know what you're thinking, my friend. I know I'm ready to hear it. Yes, sir. So this election day coming up on November 3rd, um, in just a few days, um, if you have not already early voted, it's very, very important that you go out and exercise your right to vote. The federal GOP and the Republican Party and their state-level toadies would not be attempting to suppress the vote if it didn't matter. Go exercise your right to vote. In some states, you can still register if you have not registered. Um, This is an election that matters not just for a specific policy or set of policies like health care, criminal justice reform, uh, climate change. It's not what this election is about, even though all of those policies are important. This election is about the American way of life, the rule of law, truth, because truth matters, but facts matter. And Donald Trump and his Republican enablers do not tell the truth about the coronavirus, about climate change, about the economy, about taxation, about war. They lie. And you need to vote for what's right. You need to vote for the truth and what matters. And in this election, it's Joe Biden and the Democratic Party. Vote straight ticket Democrat and do it immediately if you haven't already. And with that, John, I thank you again for a beautiful show and the opportunity to be on. And I will bid you adieu. Absolutely. That is uh, Almost Warwards with Warwards and None. If you need any legal help, call 972-863-9592. That is 972-863-9592. Get out there and vote. For me, I'm going to stop this song. I'm going to get real serious with you for a second. Guys, we are five days away from being able to get under the, out from under the thumb of the worst president in the history of this country. He is a liar. He is a cheater. He's still telling people that the pandemic that he was in charge of is going away. It's rounding the corner. It is not rounding the corner. In fact, almost 230,000 Americans have died. On Donald Trump's watch, when you go to vote, remember, a lot of Americans are being evicted. A lot of Americans are penniless. A lot of Americans are homeless. A lot of Americans are dying right now. And right now, you have the chance to change that. Please. I am begging you, right now we have over 80 million 
people that have voted early. Joe Biden is ahead in every single poll, mostly. But we cannot count on polls just because Donald Trump is a slippery cheat. He is a cheat that does not deserve to be your president. November 3rd, let him hear you loud and proud. Good night, live from Dallas, Texas. I'm John Hollywood, your host. Our exclusive sponsor is Above and Beyond Decorating and Design 210-264-2073 on Facebook, on Instagram, on all social media. Go vote.